Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. This morning is continue a conversation that we started last week about what it means to follow Jesus. Amen. And we get this word Christian uh, from, uh, we first see it appear in Acts uh, in, in Antioch where uh, the world has identified followers of Christ as Christians. This isn't a self-imposed label that they gave themselves. This isn't a bunch of people saying we're Christians and living how they want to. This is a group of people who are noticeably different than the world. And so the world sees that they're being like Christ. It's what the word means. They're being like little Jesuses, like Christ, doing about his business. Is Amen. exactly how that Amen. word translates. And so they say, those are Christians. Um, and so that's what we, we started with. Like, what can the world identify us, or are we just using that label to identify ourselves to make ourselves feel better? Um, I, I would venture to suggest that my fear for some of us is that the world can't really tell uh, who's who among us, right? Okay. Would the world, would some of the people from the world in Antioch be able to say, oh, those, that, that's, that, that's those Christians right over there. Uh, but what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to look like Christ? That's what I want to talk about today. I'm going to go through a passage in the book of John, chapter 12, and we're going to pick it up in verse 20, uh, right before this happens, Jesus um, has sat with Martha, Mary, and um, the guy who didn't want to be dead anymore, Lazarus, uh -oh. and they're having a meal. Uh, Mary has opened up uh, some perfume and wiped it on Jesus' feet, and so we have that in mind and that in context of what's going on here. This is literally right at the last moment of Jesus' earthly ministry. Okay. And then he's going to spend some time with his disciples alone before he heads to the cross. So John chapter 12, with that in mind, verse 20, it says this, Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it. The one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servants also will be. Amen. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, just a couple of things before I get into what I want to uh, talk about. When he's suggesting that the one who loves his life, that means that the one who delights more in him, himself over the things of the kingdom of God, you've lost your life. Okay. The ones who... who, who who are for more about their ambitions 
than the kingdom of God's ambitions. If you're more about yourself and, and, and your um, whatever that is, your growth in life, your, your finances, if you're, you're about yourself more than you are the kingdom of God, you've already lost your life. And when he's saying that, uh, but the one who hates his life, uh, he's found his life. Now, this is not a suggestion that Jesus is making uh, for us to hate your life and be that person that's always like, well, I just hate myself. You know, like Eeyore. Jesus is not advocating for all the Christians to become like Eeyore. This is, Jesus is basically saying, but for those who have sacrificed their life in my name, you've gained it for eternity. Amen. Amen. So there's, there's some little uh, interesting things that we've got to just make sure we're all clear on. God's not advocating for you to be hating your own self so that you could become some weak, voiceless Christian. Go in my closet. Nobody wants to hear what i got to say about Jesus. This is not what Jesus is advocating, so if that's what you think this verse is saying, I'm just go ahead and squish that real quick, right? So, so the question becomes, if we are to follow Christ, what does that look like? What does it mean to serve Jesus like Jesus served? What does it mean to follow him? Now, how many of you remember the 90s, we used to wear these bracelets. This may be dating uh, myself and most of us in this room. Uh, with a bracelet that had the four letters, WWJD. You remember that? Yes. Anybody not know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, praise the Lord, right? Amen. So we used to wear these bracelets, WWJD. What does that even mean? Amen. What would Jesus do? Now, that is a relatively um, broad question to ask. What would Jesus do? So would Jesus then spit in dirt and throw it in someone's face? WWJD? Would Jesus come into a church, flip over tables, and tell everyone to get out? WWJD? So we took the things like that, and we were like, well, wait a minute, WWJD, that means i got to do that? That means I get to come into a church and flip over tables? The answer to that question is no. Security will meet you and escort you out the building, FYI. I don't think this is what this is implying. I think, actually, the better question to ask is what did Jesus do? All right? If you want to know how we follow Jesus, how to be like Christ, then we look at the life of Christ, and we ask ourselves the question, what did Jesus do? If we say we're followers of Christ, we're Christians, yeah. then we have to ask ourselves the question, then what did Jesus do? This is how the people of the early church were identified as Christians because they were being like Christ. They were in the business of Jesus. They were doing the business of Jesus. Right? That's huge in context here. So what does it mean to follow Christ? I want to answer this just by giving you a few things here. The first thing it means is that we are servants like Christ. Jesus references serve many times in this passage. In fact, towards the end of chapter 12 on into chapter 13, Jesus is going to do a, a radical thing for the people in his culture. He would wash his disciples' feet. Now, I don't think this is giving us the implication that we are to go around and wash our brothers and sisters' feet. In fact, I would ask you, don't touch my feet uh, because they're weird 
and I have fingers as toes, and it would just gross you out. So I don't necessarily think this is about just Jesus washing feet. It's about what was behind the washing of feet. This is what a servant would do for the master. And I love this because in chapter 13, right after Jesus is talking about serving here, uh, Jesus does one of the most humiliating things that a person should do, and that's act like a servant and washes people's feet. And so Peter, who always gets it wrong, he says, you ain't washing my feet, Jesus. Jesus looks at Peter and he's like, you have no part in my kingdom if you can't even allow me to serve you. Okay. And Peter's like, wash my whole body then. All right. Wash my hair. I got some stuff in my ears you can get on out. Right? That's totally not in the text, but I'm just trying to give us a visual of what's happening here. Right? And so, so Peter's like, I got to be a part of your kingdom, so just wash all of me. Yeah. Here is. In essence, what it is to be like Christ, then we've got to learn to serve like Christ. Now, Amen. one of the things that I believe that Jesus does in a display of service to his people, in a display of almost a service to himself and God, is he served God, he served people by praying for them. He served people by praying. And notice that this is Jesus praying. God in flesh. Jesus is trying to communicate something to us anytime he prays. The message of him praying is that so he can be close to Christ. So when we are serving God, we're being like Christ. When we're being like Christ, we're, we're praying. We're not just praying for our benefit, but a service in this is that we're praying for the benefit of our neighbors, right? Okay. And this is, in essence, how we can serve we could be a people of prayer. Yes. I can't expect a relationship to grow if I'm not communicating. Okay. I can't expect to serve my wife well, right? Serve my wife well if I'm not communicating. Now, most of the conversation is going to be like Miranda doing most of the talking and then asking the question, well, what do you think? Come on, husbands. Y'all going to let me hang up here? And you'll be like, well, yeah, I, th I think, I think, yeah, I think. I think, therefore, I am, right? Now, I don't expect our relationship and me to serve my wife well. It ain't gonna, it's going to get bad if, if I'm not communicating with her, right? Mm -hmm. Women, y'all should have said amen. Amen. Yeah. Trying to help you out. Okay. Therapy sessions with the pastor. Trying to help you. <laughs> Likewise, how do we think our relationship with God is going to be if, there's, if we're not opening up this conversation with him? And I don't think we're going to serve our brothers and sisters if we're not praying for them, if we're not praying to the Father. Okay? So, so we have this, what it looks like to serve. Jesus is giving us this extraordinary uh, example throughout scriptures of what it means to serve uh, our brothers and sisters. And so one of the big ideas that Jesus, is, that Jesus does is that he would always identify the big picture issue. And before he would meet that big picture issue, he would always serve people by meeting a felt need. All right? So, so think about this. Jesus served people by 
going to where they were and healing them. Jesus would serve people by feeding them. Jesus would serve people in all of these ways. And it's kind of crazy because in the New Testament, anytime Jesus would serve people by healing them, you know what he would tell them? He would meet the issue of the current situation, and then he would address the overarching issue, which was their heart, by telling them, now go and sin no more. Amen. Now this is, this is huge for us. It's going to be very difficult to preach down somebody's throat about the gospel of Jesus if you're not willing to serve them and help a felt need with somebody. I don't think the world needs more people who are going to try to cram down Jesus, 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 if we're not actually displaying a level of compassion and actually serving them where they are. Amen. I'm not advocating for us to become some social justice type church. However, social justice is a ramification of the gospel. It is not the gospel. It's just a byproduct of the gospel. And here's Jesus displaying that by always meeting a need in his community and then addressing the issue of the heart. How do we follow Christ? How do we serve like Christ? We die to ourselves and we serve our brothers and sisters by meeting Amen. needs in our community. That's how we do this. Amen. That's how the world identifies us as followers of Christ. The world's not going to identify you as a follower of Christ just because you share some stupid thing on Facebook that says, I follow Jesus. Now, if you don't share this within 15 minutes, you're going to experience a very traumatic thing in your life. That ain't how the world's going to identify you. They just labeled you as a little cray-cray. All right? And stop sending it to me because I'm not going to share it either. Amen. Uh -oh. I, thank you. Does it make me less of a Christian if I don't share your weird white American Jesus face on there that says, share this if you love me, all right? I feel better now. <laughs> How the world identifies us? What did Jesus say later in John? By your love for each other. Amen. So we, we are identified as Christ followers by how we serve. And so how we serve in this community, it matters. And so the question is, what do we do with this? Like, how do we serve them? How do we serve in our community, in our context where God has placed us in? How do we serve in the greater valley area? How do we serve in wherever that is you live, in LaGrange, wherever it is, how do you serve? I, I think a better way to ask the question is, what is it in your community that shouldn't belong there? What's in your community that doesn't belong there? Because what I think whatever the answer to that question is, that's how you can start saying, now we can serve towards that. What in our community is here that shouldn't be here? Okay? That's the broader question that I think every church across this country needs to be asking ourselves in their context and their community. What is in our neighborhood that does not belong here? And I think, no, William McQueen, answer. And, and I, think, I think we can even ask ourselves in our own lives, in our own homes, what in our lives is here that shouldn't be here. 
So what is, the question is, what in our community is here that should not be here? And I'm not asking us to answer that question now. In fact, I think you should answer that question yourself and actually do something about it instead of forming some type of team and community uh, committee and doing something about it. I, I, think, I think the answers could vary, okay? And, I, and I'm going to just kind of lay this out there to us. I think, I think the issues in our community that are here that don't belong here, one is which could be poverty. Not just poverty financially. Poverty is a state of your heart and your mind. How do we address that as a church? I think even more practical than that is, is, is the problem of our housing issues that we have in our community. Which is why we partner with people like the Fuller Center who builds homes for people who need them. All right, so the underlying issue of housing may not be, it, it may not be a, a lack of resource. It may just be an overabundance of slumlords. And if you are listening and you're a slumlord, you're in the wrong business, homie. Uh -oh. You're in the business dealings of the devil. Because you're oh. prying on the weak and the poor. Right? I am quiet in here. I'm going to get off my soapbox in just a moment. What is in our community that does not belong here? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves. And so this is why we are advocating as refuge to reach out to our community. Amen. Because Amen. refuge is best when we are a part of the marginalized. Okay. We are at our best when we are doing the work of the Father and reaching out to the disenfranchised. That's when we're at our best. Amen. We're at our best when we're serving. That's when we are at our best. As a church, we're at our best when we're serving. When we're out there with the disenfranchised and the marginalized people. And I'm not saying let's, let's start some to-do list that we got to check this off and that makes me a servant. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm telling you to get your life together and have this as a lifestyle that you live into. Okay. So this is why we practically offer things like, like come Thanksgiving, and I ask you if you're not going to be in town to come help us serve 400 plates on Thanksgiving. This is why I've asked some of you to bring in an operation box, and I know some of you think that's just silly, a little toy, a little box. I mean, come on, that's an American idea that you've just given yourself. Okay, amen. I think, amen. I think things that we do practically, like, like the, the clothes closet that we've been working on, that's how we meet a need. That's what we do when we give to organizations like Hope Harbor, who are helping out women who are in distress with drugs and alcohol. Amen. Amen. We give to them financially and we serve them. Yeah. Yeah. When we serve another organization that helps people with addicts, uh, New Birth, we give to them financially. Yeah. It isn't so that we can say, look how awesome we are. We just want to do the work of the Father. Amen. Amen. How is, this, how is this applied to your own life? Like, what are you doing that's serving your community and your neighborhood? And it's just a question you just got to ask yourself, right? So we look at the life of Jesus, and his life is marked as being a servant. 
This is who Jesus was. And if Jesus is doing this very thing, then as believers, we're called to do this. Amen. So as a church, we serve. Now, here's the other idea that we get from what it looks like uh, to follow uh, Jesus is that I, I love in verse 26. Look in verse 26. It says this. If anyone serves me, he must do what? Follow me. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And I love this next part. Because where I am, there my servant also will be. I feel like Jesus is almost like implying like, wherever I am, there my servants better be. Okay. If I'm in the slums of the community, I need my church to be there too. Amen. If I'm at a place where there is turmoil and trauma, then I need my church to be in that trauma. If I'm in a place where there's darkness, then I need my church to be. So where was Jesus? In Matthew chapter 9, it says this in verse 35. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. Where was Jesus at? He was with the disenfranchised. He was with the hurting. He was with the broken. Where is the church at today? Where are we at today? Listen to me very carefully. And I don't, I'm not trying to be like rude and ugly because I... A common practice I have every week is I preach a sermon to myself, literally, like literally preach it to myself, all right? I don't mean this ugly, and, and, and I want you to hear my heart on this. It, if, if the only people that you're hanging out with are people who look like they have it all together, and they're just beautiful on the inside, and, and life is just so swell... Can I just suggest something to you? You may be doing it wrong. Okay. You, you may be doing this whole Christian thing wrong. Okay. Because if you're not surrounding yourself with some people who don't look like you, if you're not surrounding yourself with people who may not be in your tax bracket, if you're not surrounding yourself with some people that don't smell like you, uh-oh, I'm going to go. You may be doing this wrong. If we if we're not if we're not doing what Christ is here, He's everywhere He goes. I want my servants to be there. If it's in the ghetto, I want my servants to be there. Amen. If it's in the hood, I want my servants to be there. If it's wherever Christ is, let His church be there with Him. Amen. And even if it is in the wealthier communities where they think they have it all together, let the church be there to shine a light. Because wherever Jesus is, that's where I want to be. If it's where there's hurting, I want to be there. If it's where there are addicts, I want us to be there. That's what Christ has called us into as a church. In fact, he would address those people that seem like they have it all together. You know, the overly religious, 
You know, anytime Jesus would come to him, remember that, remember the whole thing, what would Jesus do? Jesus would walk up in the room, he would just be like, you bunch of snakes? You washed up tombs? All right, side note, don't do that, okay? Somebody may slap you, I'm not responsible for that, okay? So how does it look, what does it look like to, to live like Jesus? It means to be a servant of Jesus, and it also means to go wherever Jesus went. Okay. And then the last one, which is going to be very difficult for some of us, um, what does it look like to love, uh, to, to follow Christ? It means that we love like Jesus, okay? Now, okay. how many of you would just uh, just say, that's extremely hard? I'm sorry, I mean, come on now. Can we be honest in this room? All right, safe place. Ain't nobody going to judge you. Because I got my hand right up in here right now. Four... Example. Y'all hang on, all right? So I was outside of my car. This guy pulls up, flicks a cigarette, eventually stomps it. Side note, I'm at a gas station pumping my gas. And I'm sitting here thinking through this sermon and I'm asking myself this question. How do I love morons <laughs> like this? who appear that their brain has fallen out their ears. I went home to my children and my wife that night, and I said, I was almost a part of ground zero of the most devastating bomb that went off in the city of Lynette. Thankfully, the Lord showed his grace and mercy and protection upon me. Okay. Lynette almost was kaboom. How do we love the unlovable? I don't know, because I'm still trying to figure that part out too. Because what I wanted to do is take that cigarette butt, open up his mouth and cram it down there, and say, dude, you almost killed me! I'm feeling a little better, all right? This is fresh, this was just Thursday. Actually, this was Friday. There is no hope in humanity. What is going on? How do we love the unlovable when Christ has called you to love the unlovable? It's easy for me to love you guys most of the time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I thought you loved it's, me all the time. It, it's easy. I do. It's easy to love people that are around us, right? It's easy to love those people. And some of your parents are like, no, actually it's not. I have kids. And sometimes I just, no, help me, Lord, today. How? But it's very difficult when you start putting in the people who aren't like us in the mix. And those are the very people that God calls you to love. Because it's easy to love those who are like us. It's very difficult to love those who aren't like us. Amen. If you don't believe me, You've, you missed out on the p political environment we just got out of. And thank God it's done for now. It's not done. It's not done. We, it starts again tomorrow, okay? If you don't believe me about that, think about the political climate that we're in right now. We can't love the people who aren't like us. But Christ has called us to do the opposite in that. So if you're conservative in here, God's called you to love the liberal. Yeah. 
If you're the liberal in here, God has called you to love the conservative. This is very interesting what's happening in this text. Verse 20 says, there's a Greek, group of Greeks that come up to Jesus. And this is fascinating to me. Because Jesus had spent a lot of his earthly ministry dealing with Jews. A few times he would cross over into Samaria. But for the most part of his ministry, he's here with his people that are just like his culture. Now, here's what I'm thinking here. And this is just me. That perhaps these Jews just weren't getting it. Okay? So here, in essence, comes these Greek people... We'll call them Gentiles because that may be a better familiar word for you. These Gentiles get wind of what Jesus is doing, and they're liking it. Now, here's the problem. They go to these people, and they're like, I don't know what to do with these people. Now, now understand context here because think the racism that we face today and that we've been facing as a country just magnified to what was happening in this context. Here are Jews who hated Gentiles, and Gentiles who hated Jews. And here are these Greeks, these Gentiles, seeking out the one that they've been hearing a lot about. And I love Jesus' response. They say, hey, Jesus, there's some of those, you know, those, those Greeks, those Gentiles coming looking for you. And Jesus gives us an incredible response that we need to take heed of this morning. He says that if my grain of wheat falls and dies, then it will bear much fruit. And I'm thinking these disciples are puzzled like, now's the time to not give us a horticultural reference, Jesus. Go take your planting somewhere else. You green thumber, you. <laughs> and if that's what you're thinking, you've missed what Jesus is doing here. Jesus sees those Greeks coming down the road, I bet, in my mind's eye. And here, that marks the last moment of his ministry. He's saying, now is the time for me to die. And he's communicating to them, and he's saying, I'm not just here to die for you. You see those Gentiles? You see those Greeks? I'm going to pay for their sins too. Amen. So when we talk about love like Jesus, we're not just talking about this, this little love that we got for, uh, I, I don't know, like your love affair with a dog or with a taco or whatever. This is a love that lays his life down for us. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, and sacrifice like I'm about to sacrifice. Amen. And Jesus sees these people who aren't like his boys. Different race. And he says to them with compassion, I'm going to lay my life down, not just for you, but even for them. This is a mark of what it means to love like Christ. Jesus understood this, and he's like, I'm going to love them, and I'm going to die for them, because Jesus understood that there would be fruit from his suffering and pain and death. 
Just know that the pain and the suffering, and let's just be honest, some of the death that we feel in our own lives where things just seem to die, it's not in vain. Okay. Because fruit will come out of it. Yes. And I've just got to pose a question if I can this morning. What are you willing to die in your own life? What are you willing to kill in your own life just so that we could see the fruit? Some of you just keep thinking, well, if I just keep praying and, and I just keep hoping and I just think that things are going to get better, but you're not willing to sacrifice anything for it. Amen. Amen. You're not going to ever see change in your life. Listen to me, the Church of America, we'll never see a revival, we'll never see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our community if we're not willing to put some things to death in our own life. Because then and only then will you see the fruit. And Jesus is calling us into his death and he's calling us into his suffering. But please don't make no mistake about it. It doesn't end just there. Because of him calling us into his suffering, into his death, he's also calling us into his glory. And when we step into his suffering and we step into his death, we are not just stepping into this woe is me kind of life. We're also stepping into the glory that he has for us. That's an eternal hope that we have. That all the pain and the suffering... And the death we experience is not in vain because one day we'll step into the glory of God. That's enough to get excited about. When I follow Christ, I follow him in his suffering so that I will be led into his glory. This is what he gives us. And we'll see the fruit of our labor church one day. What are you willing to lay down? What are we willing to sacrifice to see this? To see the gospel of Christ come alive in our community. Okay. Let's serve Christ. Yes. Well, we serve our community well. May yes. we serve our spouses well. May we serve our God well. And may he come and find a church that is not lazy, not sit up on our butts, but may he find a church who is serving him Amen. well. Let's pray. Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.